Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Week 16 and this episode of Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. Look, it's crazy, guys. We are four days away from Christmas and three games away from this thing wrapping up for the Burgundy Gold. It's crazy how fast time flies. Whether you're in a season that you're expected to make the playoffs or win the division or challenge for a Super Bowl title and get a Super Bowl ring, or you're where where the commanders are right now, losers of five straight, not sure what's going to happen moving forward with the head coach and GM, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, whatever, what have you. Now, everyone has their opinions as far as who's going to be here, who's not. From an offensive perspective, I do fully expect Eric Bieniemy to be back. EB just wrapped up his weekly presser with the media and how he spoke on the future of this roster, the progression with Sam Howell, how important it would be to go into a second full season with him, hand in hand, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, moving into the 2024 season alongside each other, how much that would help him. And of course, it would help when you make improvements along the offensive line and in the run game especially. To take the pressure off of Sam Howell and what we've seen him in times this year where it has not been pretty. But in other times, he's looked really good. And you guys understand that. And again, everything comes with context. Everything on the offensive side of the ball, specifically under center, as much pressure and as much doing that is asked of the quarterback position in the NFL, everything correlates. However... The bottom line in this league, and it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, Washington has not played good football. They haven't played good football in over a month. You could say longer. The best football that we've seen from Washington this year came back in the early portions of the season. Of course, starting out 2-0, beating Arizona, and beating Denver. And then, of course, that overtime loss to Philadelphia on the road in Philly. That was a hell of a ball game, and you could say a couple things here and there bounce the Washington Commanders' way, Washington wins that football game. So, again, it is crazy to think that we are almost through with this thing, guys. Again, three games left. On the road against the Jets this week, home against the Niners, and then you finish off the season home against the Dallas Cowboys. So, whomever is under center... For Washington these next three games, even though we all fully expect it to be number 14 in Sam Howell, he's going to have a hell of a test. Again, the Jets' defense, which is what we were going to preview today, they got playmakers on all three levels. The Niners, we don't need to talk about them as probably, if not the most complete roster in all of football right now as we move into Christmas time. And then, you finish off with Dallas, who at that time is probably challenging Philadelphia because they're head and head, neck to neck right now for an NFC East title. Now, it'd be awesome for Washington to play spoiler, similar to what Washington did last year against Dallas in the last week of the season. That was the first time Sam Howell, we ever saw Sam Howell, right, in regular season action. That was good to see. So they could play spoiler once we get to week 18. But we are in week 16. It is the holiday, so I'm hopeful you guys got some positive vibes heading in to this weekend. So on the 24th, this Sunday, it's going to be Christmas Eve football. 
at 1 o'clock. And then that next day you wake up and it's Christmas on Monday morning. So hopefully we get a, maybe an early Christmas present that we haven't seen in a long time in the form of Washington playing some damn good football. And who better to do it against than the Jets right now, who currently sit 7th in the first round order with Washington in 4th. I called it the shit bowl when I recapped Washington's loss to the Rams last week. That's really what it is. Offensively for the Jets, they're completely inept. Now on defense, similarly to how they entered the year comparatively to Washington, where Washington's defense was expected to be top five, top three, Jets, same thing. They brought in Aaron Rodgers to be their guy under center. They were looked at as a, what, a quarterback away. Similarly to what Washington was looked at as heading into the 2022 campaign when they brought in Carson Wentz. Now, Carson Wentz is not Aaron Rodgers. But from a parallel perspective, as far as being rosters that lean on their defense, that were seemed to be a quarterback away, both of these rosters. And now here they are both within the top seven of the first round order if the draft started today. Again, Washington fourth and New York at seventh. So let's get into this Jets roster. It remains to be seen exactly who is going to start under center for the five and nine New York Jets. Zach Wilson has been in concussion protocol. He left that game last week, a 30 to nothing shutout against the Miami Dolphins. He left it early and Trevor Simeon came in and basically took the bulk of the work. Now, as we sit here on Thursday afternoon, it looks like Trevor Simeon is going to start. Aaron Rodgers, they activated him. He is going to practice the remainder of, you could say, the last three weeks of the season. He's going to practice with the team, but he is not going to play. I talked about it a few weeks ago when really the crap started for Washington, when they lost a game, then they lost two games in a row, then it was three games in a row, and I said, hey, well, you never know what the Jets, we got the Jets coming up, even though they look easy on the schedule, quote-unquote. They could have Aaron Rodgers back if they were fighting for a playoff spot. Well, they haven't been able to win any football games, guys. And obviously a 30-0 shutout on the road against a divisional opponent last week is not good. But Aaron Rodgers, they activated him. They released a guy so they could keep Aaron on the roster, at least practicing, which is crazy to think considering what happened and how quickly he's recovered since his injury early in the campaign against the Buffalo Bills. So for them, their season has really gone down the crapper quickly. Injuries early and the injury to their face of the franchise and Aaron Rodgers just completely saw them just crap the bed and be like, well, we, I guess we're going to try to prepare for 2024. And that's where they're at right now. But again, as we sit here today, there's no f- confirmation as of yet officially from the Jets. However, rumblings are that Trevor Simeon is going to start for the Jets this week. And if he does, I expect them to run the ball with Brees Hall, even though he had an excellent rookie season last year out of Iowa State and then got hurt, came back this year, and the production simply hasn't been there. Now, it's been, again, a correlation because of the guys up front. They're going to make probably two or three more additions, just like Washington could, along the front five to boost that unit moving into 2024. We'll get into the big boys in a second. But they're not going to ask Trevor Simeon to throw the ball 30-plus times in this football game. They're going to hand it off to Brees Hall. They drafted Israel Banakanda from Pitt on day three. 
and Dalvin Cook is still on the roster even though he has not been utilized. So they have some ball carriers, and I expect them to use them this week, again, to not ask Trevor to sit back and throw it 30-plus times in this ballgame. And Brees Hall is an, a fantastic young football player. If he gets a crease, he will attack it, and he can take it the distance for six. You want to get him on tosses. You want to run him in power. You want to get him out in space. You want to ask him to stick his face in and pass pro. Now he can do that. It's just that the fact that the offensive line has not been able to move anybody at a consistent rate all year long, similar to what we've seen in Washington, has limited his production. You look at his number series, only rushed for two touchdowns all season long. He's gone over 100 yards just twice in the year, once in week one, once in week five. And he has not been over, again, 100 yards since week five at Denver. He stayed within that 20 to 50 yard area of rushes, of rushing yards, excuse me, all year long to where he's averaging, you look at the last month of the season, yards per attempt, two against Miami, 4.3 against Houston, 1.2 against Atlanta, and 3.6 in their first matchup against Miami at home in week 12. They're just not getting any push. And it doesn't matter how dynamic you are, how special you are as an athlete, if there's nowhere to run against an NFL defense, that <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's the NFL. There's athletes everywhere. You're just not going to do that much. One against 11, it's not going to work out for you. And that's what we've seen a lot from Brees Hall early in this year. But again, Israel Labanakanda is a guy that can provide some juice. Really young kid. He entered the 2023 draft last year as the youngest player, excuse me, the second youngest player other than uh, B.J. Ojolari that went to Arizona Cardinals out of LSU. So he's been there. He was the youngest guy in that draft. And again, Israel was the second youngest, but extremely young player and still trying to get his feet under him after a hell of a career with the Pitt Panthers to where he was just, he ran over teams. For you Virginia Tech alums, you probably remember the name Israel Abanacanda. I believe he had a five or six touchdown day on the ground uh, against the Hokies, I believe it was in 2022 or in 2021. Just an unbelievably stat-padding day for Abanacanda. So again, for you Hokies alums out there, Israel Abanacanda may be a name to know. Heading into this ballgame, you see him. He may bring back some bad memories for you watching Virginia Tech over the last few years. But guys, it is Brees Hall. It is Abanacanda. And again, Dalvin Cook is still rostered. They just have not used him. And it's really just, they brought him in as a popular name, right? A headlining name, but he just has not worked out there. And it really is just the overall mantra of the season for the Jets and the fact that it just has not been good. They haven't been able to iron out their issues. They haven't been able to exceed expectations on offense to at least give their defense some help. We've seen some of that in Washington this year. Again, similar what we've seen from the New York Jets. Let's move to the perimeter before, again, we get to the big boys up front and I want to start first with the tight ends, and then I want to get into the receivers, and specifically one receiver that you guys know the name of, and Garrett Wilson. But I want to talk about Tyler Conklin, tight end. And I think this is where Washington's linebacking group, which we saw last week with Kalik Hudson and Cody Barton primarily at the middle level, and I thought Kalik did a really nice job. I feel like Tyler Conklin is going to have a heavy workload in this game. He led the team in targets last week against Miami, and... By no means does Washington have the perimeter stalwarts like Miami has, like what we saw earlier in the year with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. But I do expect Washington to try to be aggressive this week. 
And I do think they're going to be able to push the pocket a little bit. And I do think they're going to allow Barton, Hudson, Cam Curl, Benjamin St. Juice, Kendall Fuller. Would like to see more from Emmanuel Forbes. We simply have not seen him out there. He barely played against, uh, excuse me, the LA Rams last week where Quan Martin really took his snaps. I think they're going to be aggressive this week. I think they're going to make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. But over the middle of the field and Trevor Simeon getting the ball out of his hands quickly is what I think the game plan is going to be. Again, running the football with Brees Hall and Abana Kanda and then giving it to Tyler Conklin over the middle of the field. By no means is he a top 10, 15, even 20 tight end in football. He's not. They drafted Jeremy Ruckert a couple years ago out of Ohio State. Really hasn't worked out there a ton. He hasn't gotten a lot of targets. But Tyler Conklin was their guy last week for Trevor Simeon. And tight ends, not only are they sure set of hands over the middle of the field, they're guys that can compete and produce and help an offense lift their performance ceiling in a variety of ways because they can block most of the time and move out in space just a little bit. Not asking him to be Kyle Pitts, not asking him to be what we've seen in the past from a guy like Jordan Reed in Washington, who I wish would have stayed healthy. I know a lot of that name for a lot of you guys was just kind of a what if. Like, what if Jordan Reed stayed healthy? Because what a, a hell of a ball player he was. In my opinion, the smoothest, one of the mo- smoothest moving athletes I've ever seen in person, again, is Jordan Reed, former tight end with Washington. That's not Tyler Conklin by any means. But he's someone that's a veteran in this league, obviously had years with Minnesota, now with the Jets. And he's going to be that familiar, smiling face over the middle of the field for Trevor Simeon consistently in this football game. So Washington, I would I would advise them to use the contact window to their advantage. None of this soft crap over the middle of the field to where your linebackers are both aligned inside the hashes and Tyler Conklin's just finding the soft spot right behind the defense. And we're seeing Khalid Hudson and Cody Barton just turn their heads and can't find anybody in coverage. He's smart enough to do that. He has good enough hands to do that and a good enough athletic profile to get six, seven, eight catches on nine, 10 targets potentially this week. Because we know in history too, in Washington, they've had a lot of trouble covering the tight end position. Not just this year and last year, but five, 10 years in the past. Seems like Washington's just never been able to holster tight ends. That says a lot about the athletic profiles of what we've seen really other than London Fletcher at the second level for Washington in years past. However, it really comes with a grain of salt at the same time because you're 4-10. and 10. And nothing much is going to change. It's just you like to see certain things try to get better, even specifically this year, where the defense has been a complete turnstile since we kicked off against Arizona and since we last saw, saw them on the field, allowing 28 points to Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams. But Tyler Conklin, I believe, guys, is going to be a heavily featured target for this offense this week simply because I do expect Washington to put a ton of attention on a guy on the outside in the name of Garrett Wilson, former top 10 pick of the Jets back in 2022 out of Ohio State, right? That pipeline of receivers to come out of Ohio State. We got another one coming out this year in the form of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. Harrison expected to be a top 10 pick lock. And then Egbuka, depending what offense values him, he'll probably be a day two guy, most likely. However, could be a day one guy. Again, beauty's in the eye of the holder when it comes to the draft. Say that all the time, guys. All 32 boards along the NFL are different. But Garrett Wilson, I, I cannot say enough things good about Garrett Wilson. And I feel bad for him 
because he reminds me a lot of really the aura that surrounds Terry McLaurin in Washington. You look at Garrett Wilson, similar frame to Terry McLaurin, six foot, 190, former Ohio State receiver. Now, Terry was not a first round guy, but Garrett Wilson also wears number 17 and has a very similar skill set to Terry McLaurin. So when you watch Garrett and when you watch Terry, there's a lot of similarities there. And then you see what they've been dealing with from the quarterback position over these last few years in their career. I know Garrett's only in year two and Terry's been here for a while, right? However, Garrett is a special, special talent. And if Washington does not bracket him this week, meaning you have a corner underneath and a safety over the top, so you're basically doubling him, it's called bracketing, he's going to go off. He could have 9, 10, 11 catches for 100, 120 yards and two or three touchdowns. He has that potential. However, the quarterback position and the lack of time to throw has seen his production just be really null this year in comparison, and in my opinion, to what he could be. He's got 882 yards this year, guys. So those numbers aren't bad by any means. But he's only reached the end zone three times. He's reached it once since week two. Had a touchdown in week one against Buffalo, a touchdown in week two at Dallas. He's been in the end zone just once, and that came in week 12 home against Miami. One touchdown since week two. It's a shame. Again, same conversations we've had about Terry McLaurin to where, where is he? Why isn't he getting targets? He's, he's a hell of a talent. Just give him the ball. That's what Garrett Wilson is in New York. And for you fantasy guys out there, I know a lot of you probably drafted Garrett Wilson this year and maybe even drafted Aaron Rodgers for that correlation of those two this year because of what they were expected to be, how he was going to improve, Garrett Wilson, on his 1,100-yard rookie campaign where he had 83 catches. Now, you look at his numbers this year, and he is going to top his career high in targets. Last year was 139. He's at 133 this year. He's going to top that. He's got 79 catches, so he's got four to tie his rookie mark from last year. He's going to beat that. He's probably going to tease with the yards. He's got a couple hundred more to go, and he just needs one more touchdown to match last year's production. But he is an unbelievable talent. And it's a shame when you look at his production to like back at week 11 against Buffalo, two catches on eight targets for nine yards. Then he goes the following week, seven catches against Miami, 44 yards, three catches against Atlanta. 50 yards. Then he goes over 100 yards against Houston, and then he has 29 yards against that talented Dolphins secondary, and no one could feed him the ball. So, who knows what will happen for Garrett Wilson this week. If I'm Garrett Wilson, and I'm offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, I'm grinning from ear to ear at the potential of what Garrett Wilson could do against Washington secondary this week. Again, we will see. If Emmanuel Forbes plays a lot, plays a little, doesn't play at all, plays every snap. Who the hell knows? But I do think we are going to see St. Juice and Fuller, and I do think we're going to see some more of Quan Martin. That's fine. Play the young guys. You have nothing to lose at this point. But Garrett Wilson is a hell of a talent. And I love to see guys in good situations. I love to see guys thrive in certain areas. And it's just a shame of what we've seen these last two years of Garrett to where the numbers are there, but just how special could he be if they just had anything above ass 
at the quarterback position. And we, we would have saw that this year with Aaron Rodgers. And again, front five has not been good. Everything correlates. But he is an uber-talented kid. And hopefully, hopefully, for the Jets' perspective, and for you guys out there flat out that appreciate good football players, that they get a quarterback in town, an offensive line to protect that said quarterback, to feed us number 17 for hopefully the next decade for them because he is a, just a fantastic football player. Um, on the outside, otherwise, of Garrett Wilson, you're going to see Alan Lazard. You are going to see Xavier Gibson, a UDFA out of Stephen F. Austin. If you guys watched the early portions of the season when the Jets played the Bills and Gibson took the, kick, uh, the punt return excuse me, back for a touchdown to beat the Bills in the early portions of the season, uh, fantastic athlete, high-level athletic profile, really cool story out of Stephen F. Austin. Somebody that generated some buzz later in the draft process last year. So as he moved into March and early April, pro days completed, top 30 visits, guys are working out for certain teams, and you find these types of guys to where you'd like to bring them in on opportunities to where you get a rookie minicamp tryout, and you never know what can happen. That is Xavier Gibson. So he's come in to this Jets roster to where it really just has been Garrett Wilson. And he's become wide receiver three. Because they've also utilized Jason Brownlee, who was another UDFA out of Southern Miss, but he's been banged up. So it really just is Wilson and Lazard. Lazard, a big physical talent. Again, they wanted to bring him over with Aaron Rodgers, all their relationships over the years in Green Bay and playing with the Packers. He's just an average receiver, big body, blocks his ass off. He's probably one of the best blockers on the perimeter. They're going to need him to block this week if they want to get Priest Hall and Abana Kanda going. But it really just is Garrett Wilson and then Tyler Conklin, I expect, over the middle of the field. You may see a reverse or two to Gibson. You may see a couple hitches, a couple curls to Alan Lazard. You're not going to see him take any too many deep shots, I don't think, this week. I just think the 0-15 to yard range of the offense is where the Jets going to live this week and getting it out of Simeon's hands early. You're going to see some bubbles. You're going to see some tosses. You may see some unique things to where maybe they send, again, Gibson in reverse or Garrett Wilson just to keep the backside of Washington's defense honest. You're going to see some play action. You're going to see some of that stuff this week to try to bait Washington into being too aggressive and playing with their hair on fire too much to try to make a play to where, look, oh, it's just Trevor Simeon playing quarterback. Well, Washington's defense hasn't been able to stop the local JV team down the street. So what can we expect against Trevor Simeon, right? It's an NFL quarterback, an NFL offense that has Garrett Wilson, has a veteran tight end, has a really exciting young running back, and some guys up front along this front five that can move some people. And again, my expectations for Washington's defense are null, and they are going to be null, for the rest of this season until we move in to this free agent window in the spring and the draft to see who they draft, how they evaluate, and how these players next year are going to hopefully improve what has been a historically bad commander's defense in 2023. So that is their offense. Let's hop over to the other side of the ball. It remains to be seen, guys, if John Franklin Myers, they brought him over from the Rams this offseason, if he's going to play this week, he's been battling an injury, uh, excuse me, all week long. But they have some bodies, guys. And, and it really starts with the trio of Quinn and Williams, of Bryce Huff, and Jermaine Johnson. Now, Quinn and Williams is going to live at one tech, three tech. So right where John Allen and Deron Payne live. John Allen was a Bama guy. Deron Payne was a Bama guy. Quinn and Williams was a Bama guy. Deron Payne was a first rounder. John Allen was a first rounder. Quinn and Williams was a first rounder. 
John went in, in 2017. Deron Payne went in 2018. Quentin Williams went in 2019. So all these, those three guys I just mentioned were all Bama, back-to-back-to-back years, all first-rounders, and all have become high-level defensive tackles in the NFL. And Quinnen might be the premier behind Aaron Donald in all of football. He is fantastic. So right along Deron and John and Dexter Lawrence and Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, you could say defensive end, defensive tackle, whatever you want to say with him about in Kansas City, or what you've seen from Justin Matabike in Baltimore this year, who's had an all-pro type of year. Quentin Williams is fantastic, and he can wreak havoc every single down. In the run game, you want to run at him, he can stack and shed your guards, he can stack and shed your center. You want to double-team him, he can get off those two. You want to drop back and pass and block him one-on-one, he'll beat your guard in half a second with his hands, then use his twitch to get around, and he's in your quarterback's lap in half a second. Quentin Williams is a special, special athlete within the interior, and he can push the pocket alone. Then you look at the perimeter, and Bryce Huff, again, and Jermaine Johnson, a first-rounder out of Florida State last year. Went down to the Senior Bowl. Cool story about Jermaine Johnson at the Senior Bowl, actually. And really just a view into how the pre-draft process goes for these guys is he showed up to Senior Bowl week to where there's three practices during the week, then you have the game. The practices, a lot of the times, guys, are more heated and more physical than the games because every scout is there, whether they're up in the booth, whether they're down in the stands, whether they're on the field. The one-on-ones, the individual drills, the special teams drills, the one-on-ones of the big boys with uh, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Jermaine Johnson was unblockable when he showed up in Mobile. When his feet came off the damn plane in Mobile, just nobody could block him. And he took over the week where he showed up for, I believe it was two days of practice and said, nah, I'm done and dipped out. Didn't stay for the game. Similar to what we saw with Dewan Jones last year. I missed day one in Mobile. I had freaking food poisoning. So I had to miss day one in Mobile last year. So I showed up on day two and I missed Dewan Jones. But in day one, he was unbelievable. He turned back on the tape of practices in Mobile and he was sensational. And he didn't practice day two, day three, and didn't play in the game. Just hung out, did meetings with teams, and then just left. So that's what happens sometimes in these pre-draft processes to where guys will show up, they'll have a hell of a day or hell of a couple days and be dominant, and they'll say, nah, I've showed enough, I'm leaving. So it kind of leaves, whether it's Jim Nagy at the Senior Bowl or Eric Galco at the Shrine Bowl or Jose Jefferson at, uh, at CGS, where you're going to see guys at Hula Bowl this year, Tropical Bowl, all those bowls, they show up and dominate, more so at, at Senior Bowl and Shrine, they don't even stay for the rest of the week. They just say, I'm done, and I'll leave. So Jermaine was unbelievable in that time frame. But again, he goes on day one. So a couple months later, after his, after his dominant senior bowl performance, goes on day one, and he has just been sensational um, this year. I want to bring up his numbers here for you guys just to, be, just to provide some context as far as how dominant he's been and the progression that he's made after last year to where he only had 14 pressures in three sacks to where he missed time with an injury, but now he's come back this year. He's got 47 pressures, eight sacks. He's got 12 pressures in his last three games combined, only two sacks in the last uh, five games of the season, but the pressures are there consistently. And over these last month, two months of the season for Washington, really the whole year, when you look at a guy's numbers and then you look at Washington's offensive line, you extrapolate those a little bit to what to expect this week. So if he gets five pressures against Miami, I expect eight or nine against Washington. If he get 
He got two pressures against Buffalo. I expect four or five against Washington, right? For anybody. So Quinnen, Bryce Huff, Jermaine Johnson, all those guys extrapolate those numbers a little bit because of what we've seen on tape from Washington's front five this fall, which has flat out not been good enough to really work in front of a young quarterback in this league in the form of Sam Howell or any quarterback in this league to try to run an NFL offense and try to be unique from a personnel and a scheme and a concept perspective. Has not been good enough. So again, Quinn and Williams, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, those are the names to know for the Jets up front this week. And then we will see if John Franklin Myers plays for them. He hasn't practiced uh, all week and again, battle an injury. So we'll see if he does play this week. If he does, he's going to be a big boost and another body to counter along that defensive front. As you take a step back, C.J. Mosley, the narrative around C.J. Mosley, another Alabama guy, and his play at the second level to where he started out his career with Baltimore and he was excellent. And really over the years, one of the older guys now in the league, come to New York, he was terrible last year. And then now this year looks like an all-pro in the middle of the defense it just kind of shows you the linebacking position to where sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. Whether you're a first or second year guy or you're a sixth, seventh, eighth year guy and been in the league a long time and seen a lot of things from a lot of different offenses and a lot of different skill sets, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it just doesn't. And when it does click and when you do trust your eyes and you are able to play fast, whether you're countering the run or you're finding who you need to cover uh, in space, it just clicks and it's really nice to see. And the linebacking position, guys, has changed so much in the NFL, and it continues to change as we move forward into the 2024 campaign next year. And we preview the draft class of linebackers upcoming, which we'll get to in the next few weeks and months. But C.J. Mosley and how experienced he is, again, used to play the second level for Baltimore and now the second level for New York, as bad as a team overall that New York has been, CJ has been fantastic, not just feeding off of the alleys created of the guys in front of him, like Quinn and Williams, but also finding running backs and tight ends in space to where, yeah, he hasn't been perfect in coverage, but he's been consistently sticky and in phase, meaning he's never three, four, five yards away from a receiver like we've seen in last year at times. He's always making quarterbacks fit throws into tight windows. And that's really all you could ask from a guy that's been around for so long and has so much tread on the tires. And really just asking him to, hey, can you can you compete for the last four or five games of this year for us? As of right now, three games of the season for us. Because he, again, veteran in the league, a lot of tread in the tires, body wears down over the year. There's nobody in the NFL right now that is 100% health. Unless you're not playing, there's just nobody in the NFL, guys, that is full strength. Everybody's got something going on. Some more serious than others. But when you're a guy like C.J. Mosley and the way that he's played at the middle level of this defense, you're not going to hear it from a lot of other people because they're not going to turn on the Jets film to watch this defense considering their their record, right? All the attention goes to teams that have good records. But C.J. Mosley has had a hell of a uh, year in 2023 for this Jets defense. So take a step back to this secondary. And holy hell. Um, this secondary is really fun to watch, and it starts with Sauce Gardner. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the name, former first-rounder out of Cincinnati back in 2022, number four overall pick, 6'3", 200 pounds, looked like he was, if you guys just turned on Madden and you wanted to build a creative player and put him out at corner, just that long, lanky, physical, can run, 
that is Sauce Gardner. He has quickly evolved into one of the not just best young defenders in football, but one of the premier corners in all of the league. I'm not sure I can sit here and name two or three corners better uh, than Sauce Gardner. I think you, you could talk about Jalen Ramsey. You could talk about Pat Sertan in Denver. But other than that, guys, I just I don't see many corners that do what Sauce Gardner does, whether it's in man, whether it's in zone, is that cover three defender. And when I look at his game and how he's been successful, I think about Emmanuel Forbes. And from a frame perspective, as far as that lanky, rangy body with instincts, that is Sauce Gardner. And that's what Emmanuel Forbes is. And when the Jets brought in Sauce, when they drafted him again with the fourth overall pick in 2022, they asked him to consistently live in zone, in cover three, meaning he would take off a third of the side of his field. If they wanted to run some zone match and a guy came into his area, he'd pick him up in man and carry him, and that was fine. But primarily, he would line five to seven yards off the line of scrimmage, and what he'd see in front of him, he'd keep everything in front of him, whether he's aligning neutral, meaning his shoulders are square with the receiver in front of him, or he's in that side saddle technique with his butt to the sideline, using it as an extra defender and keeping everything in front of him, just working downhill, trusting your eyes and being instinctive, playing instinctive, playing football, not being a robot. And that's what we've seen from Manuel Forbes this year to when they wanted to play a man. Then he's playing in zone and he looks uncomfortable even though that's what he did at Mississippi State. It has not worked for Emmanuel Forbes in year one. Hopefully year two is better. And it needs to be better because he's a first-round pick at the end of the day. But when I look at Sauce Gardner, now, Manuel Forbes by no means has the skill set, in my opinion, of what Sauce Gardner had even coming out of Cincinnati. Just not there. Doesn't have the size. Doesn't have the length. The pure coverage ability, specifically in man. The physicality in the run game. I have not seen that a lot from Emmanuel Forbes. Not just at Mississippi State, but this year specifically, in the times where he's been bad. And it's easy to pick on Emmanuel Forbes when you look at the numbers. But it's about progression. It's about coaching. It's about development. And as you move into year two, where there is going to be a defensive coordinator, new in town, and new positional coaches, hopefully he gets right. And hopefully someone can look at the kid's skill set and say, this is what he does well. This is what he did well at Mississippi State. This is why we evaluated him as a first-round guy in a zone defense to where he is a zone corner, but then you draft him to come in and play man. And that's not what he is. He is a zone corner. Now, this is the NFL. You have to play man and you have to play zone. But you don't pigeonhole players into what you want to do from a scheme perspective. You look at your scheme, you evaluate certain players, and you draft those players to come into your scheme and fit right away to where it has to jigsaw immediately. In the NFL nowadays, where not just round one, round two, round three guys are expected to at least come in, start and compete and produce. But as you move into the, to day three, so rounds four through seven, depending on what can happen, right? Injuries happen every year. It's where your depth is tested. And you have to draft guys that fit what you want to do on either side of the ball. So again, Sauce Gardner on one side, it's going to be DJ Reed, who's a hell of a corner uh, in his own right. On the opposite side, their slot corner, their nickel is going to be Michael Carter II, who's done a nice job for them. And at safeties, it's going to be Jordan Whitehead, who came over from Tampa Bay, really physical downhill defender. And a really cool story in Tony Adams, who was a UDFA out of Illinois in, uh, in 2022, in Illinois secondary, again, last year we saw Devin Witherspoon go to Seattle. We saw Sidney Brown go to Philly. And then we saw Quan Martin, of course, come to Washington. Tony Adams was there in 2022, and 
he's become really, again, one of the cooler stories uh, in the NFL. We've seen a couple of UDFA safety stories in this league. He's one of them. Rodney Thomas out of Yale has had a nice couple of years to start off his career with the Indianapolis Colts. And you watch Tony Adams, and he's not someone that's heavily involved in coverage. Haven't seen a lot from him as that stickiness and that sticky, sticky ability that you see from some of the top safeties and third-level roof defenders in the league. But coming down to the second level, playing the fringe areas in the run game, he's going to primarily line as that free safety. So, again, he's going to be that last line of defense. But when you you want someone in the back end to play with instincts, be smart, be able to communicate to the corners and the second level in front of him and look to his left and Jordan Whitehead and say, hey, Jordan, here, I I can play some single high for you. I want you to come in the box and be another body to counter the run game. Tony Adams allows them to do that. And for the Jets' perspective and GM Joe Douglas to where they they scouted their ass off to find a guy like this to, again, on a rookie contract, UDFA, to where you're basically just paying him pennies, right, in retrospect, to come in and play for you, that's a hell of a job. That's what we talk about with scouting and evaluation and finding guys that fit your scheme. Again, Tony Adams, going to wear number 22 for this Jets defense. You're going to see him this week as their free safety. Again, UDFA out of Illinois in 2022 has had a really nice start to his career in New York and a really bang, you want to talk about a bang for your buck and diamond in the rough. It's been Tony Adams at the third level for this Jets defense. So that is the New York Jets. Again, 5-9, and nine, they are not going to make the playoffs. They were eliminated last week from playoff contention, and they're preparing for 2024. They're special teamers. They have a very veteran unit in their punter, Thomas Morstead, who spent a ton of years in New Orleans and it was Miami last year. Greg Zerline, all those years with the, um, the Rams and then spent time with Dallas. Now he is the kicker for, again, the New York Jets. And then Xavier Gibson talked about him earlier, the UDFA out of Stephen F. Austin. He's got some electricity to him. He's got some jolt. Uh, He is their punt returner and primary kick returner. So again, guys, that is the New York Jets, and that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, always appreciate your reviews, your likes, and your shares, and your subscribes. We're on all podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. And then, of course, as always, my written work is housed at Bleacher Report. So I will have a podcast out for you guys I'm going to try to get one up probably Sunday evening, if not at the latest Monday on Christmas, sometimes in the afternoon or sometime during next week. We're all going to be focused on Christmas, enjoying time with family. I advise you guys to do that as well. I know you guys are going to have the game on on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. I would like Washington to get a win. I'm all about positives. I'm trying to stay positive with this group. You guys know that. That's my mantra around here. Focusing on ball, focusing on development, and how we can get and move forward to what we expect from this unit and who's going to be here, and who's going to not moving in to next season. But we got three more games left in this damn thing. I'll have a podcast out for you again early next week to recap win, loss, or tie. And then following that, have a pod out for you uh, late next week to preview the San Francisco 49ers. So as always, guys, appreciate your time. Have a great Christmas Eve, Christmas holiday. Enjoy time with family, and enjoy the game, right? On Sunday, 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium, 4-10 Washington Commanders visiting. Second trip to MetLife this year. Hopefully this one may turn out better for the Burgundy Gold, visiting again the 5-9 New York Jets. So as always, appreciate you guys' time. I will talk to you soon. Have a Merry Christmas. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.